Hey guys, it's Pete Mundo. Thanks for downloading this week's radio show in the podcast form. We appreciate that. And all you got to do to get a free Heartland College Sports koozie, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Send me a screenshot of your review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And we'll get the koozie in the mail for you. Appreciate it, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Third and goal at the three, and Iowa State moved at the snap. Skyler Thompson to the goal line, touchdown. I can feel it coming on now as the music plays. Taking shots with the night out. He's at the Baylor 35, the 30, the 25, the 20. It's a foot race to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. He goes again. David Sills with a 53-yard touchdown reception. We're going all night long, everybody It's 81 yards for McCluskey on the grab. Locked it down the middle for Rodney. It's caught at the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. It's a touchdown! Oh, so can uh, can somebody get me to spring football already? Is that is that too much to ask? I don't think it should be, but it would be nice if we could get there, like, by now. Maybe get me to early March. You know, you get March Madness. You get spring football. Sign me up. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, where your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. We appreciate you joining us and uh, being a part of the show, no matter how you get us, whether it's radio, podcast, YouTube, Facebook, whatever it might be. We're grateful you're joining us and uh, you're a part of the show this week. So a lot to get into. I know it's the offseason and we still focus heavily on football on this show, but there is no shortage of things to dive into. And I was thinking about this over the past couple of days. You know, the Big 12 has itself a situation where uh, there's a lot of teams considering transfer quarterbacks, right? TCU looking for one, needs one. West Virginia's considering one. Oklahoma's looking at one. I, you know, there are a lot of options here for the Big 12 when it comes to potential quarterback transfers coming into this conference. And that's great, you know, whether it's names like Jalen Hurts, who's considering Oklahoma, Tate Martell, the Ohio State kid who's considering West Virginia. Uh, Justin Fields goes to Ohio State, the former Georgia five-star. That's why Tate Martell is leaving. And, you know, I'm thinking that's well and good. You know, uh, TCU is looking for somebody. They wanted to be on a Hertz roster or radar. Didn't happen. Let me quickly say this, too, on Tate Martell. If you haven't seen um, QB1, it was a show, like a miniseries, like a real-life Friday Night Lights series that was on Netflix. They followed around three stud high school quarterbacks from the, I guess that would have been, what, 2016 or 17 season. I'm not sure which one. Must have been 16 season. And Tate Martell out of Las Vegas was one of those guys. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I don't want to judge him. I'm just going to say this. He came across as a little douchey. And by a little, I mean a lot of douchey. All right? That's, that was kind of the deal with Tate Martell. Not saying he won't work in, uh, you know, in Mountaineer Blue and Gold. I'm just telling you what I saw on the TV show. And in fairness, probably every five-star quarterback recruit is kind of a douche. So let's, let's just call it how it is. But anyway, you know, he's considering West Virginia with Neil Brown, with Will Greer gone. 
and Allison not really stepping up to the plate to be the guy, at least not what we've seen so far. TCU, Justin Rogers, you know, Oklahoma, uh, Austin Kendall's leaving. There's just so much going on in this conference, and they're going the transfer route. Now, the transfer route has worked out. Look at OU. Two straight transfer guys, two straight Heisman winners. It can be fine. But I was thinking about why the Big 12 has been unable to groom quarterbacks. Uh, Who's the last great quarterback that was groomed in a Big 12 program? Probably Patrick Mahomes, and his head coach has since been fired, although he's now the head coach of an NFL team. Go figure that one out, right? I mean, that's the last guy you can think of. And here's this conference that has two straight Heisman winners. Yes, they're from the same school, but this is a conference that put, puts points on the board that now the conference's style of play is transferring over to the NFL. You're seeing that with Cliff Kingsbury getting the big job at Arizona with the Cardinals. You're seeing that with Ohio State hiring Mike Yurcich away from Oklahoma State as the offensive coordinator. You're seeing Matt Rule almost get an NFL head coaching job at the New York Jets after going, what, uh, 8 and and 17 in two years with Baylor? Look at this conference and the success that it's having when it comes to how its style is affecting the rest of college football and the NFL. That is starting in many ways in the Big 12. Lincoln Riley was being, you know, if Lincoln Riley wanted an NFL job, I'm pretty confident he could have gotten one this offseason. He turned him down wisely, by the way. He had, you know, got a great gig. You're making five mil a year. Keep doing your thing in Norman. I mean, why go to the NFL again blown out in two years? It's not worth it. So why is this conference unable to recruit these guys from the get-go? I get it. The SEC is infiltrating Texas and giving you a hard time recruiting players and whatnot. But, I, I mean, the Big 12 and all of these teams collectively have got to do a better job pitching the conference and its style to recruits. I mean, tell them, show them what's going on. Hey, we've got three head coaches here in this offseason. One who we fired, by the way, in Cliff Kingsbury, who had interest at the NFL level. 30% of our coaches got NFL interest. Cliff Kingsbury, Lincoln Riley, and Matt Rule. Can any other conference say that? Can anybody else go out there and and make that case? No. You can't. They can't. So that's something that the uh, recruits should be looking at and saying to themselves, you know, I got to start looking at the Big 12 a little bit closer. Instead of going to Georgia or Clemson or Ohio State to be a five star and red shirt and then play backup and then maybe get a chance in a couple of years, let me go to a Big 12 school where I have a better chance to get on the field. I'm playing in probably a better offense with a better offensive mind as a head coach, and I'm getting just as many looks at the next level, if not more. Why wouldn't you do that? And that is a failure of these Big 12 coaches, every single one of them. You know, I know OU's got the five-star kid coming in and Spencer Rattler. I understand that, you know, I'm sure he's a guy who a lot of people want to see playing as soon as possible for the Sooners. You look at these five-star guys, they come in, they're playing right away. They're more ready than ever to play at the next level. Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, the guy's got to play two more years. Tua Tungavailoa, the guy could have gone to the NFL this year and been the top quarterback taken. He could have done all that. Um, So these guys are ready to play right away. They don't have to sit in the system for a couple of years. And while it's fine you might get these guys, like Jalen Hurts, like Tate Martell, you might get them. 
and it might work out. But it would be great to have them in the program, having them learn the system, having them learn the style for a year and, and getting their feet wet. Not saying they have to sit out, but I'm just saying anytime the kid walks on campus right away, it's a good thing for the program. You know, I mean, yes, Texas has its quarterback now in Sam Ellinger, but Texas couldn't find a high school quarterback for a decade. And it was freaking Texas in the middle of Austin. Couldn't find, I mean, how many NFL quarterbacks are coming out of 15 miles away from Austin? Westlake, you've got uh, Nick Foles going up against Drew Brees. The two guys graduated from the same high school 10 minutes down the road from, you know, Tom Herman's bathroom, and they couldn't find a quarterback for the past 10 years. It's embarrassing. And TCU, yeah, maybe Justin Rogers is the real deal, although, you know, he's still apparently banged up from that leg injury from high school. I don't know if this guy is ever going to be the same. TCU is expecting incoming recruit Max Dugan or Duggan to be the guy that's, you know, at least going to take most of the steps in spring. Um, So there's just a lot there that we don't have answers on for a lot of these Big 12 teams. But you say, okay, who set a quarterback? And you go Texas. You'd say Texas Tech with Alan Bowman. Ironically enough, how about Texas Tech? Pat Mahomes to Bowman. You could have uh, <laughs> two really well-groomed quarterbacks coming out of West Texas, and Cliff Kingsbury's out of work. I mean, I'm sorry, but I think Texas Tech looks horrible. I, you better hope that Matt Wells is freaking Nick Saban, okay? I get it that Link that uh, Cliff Kingsbury was 35-40, and 40, but, geez, he got, just got an NFL head coaching job, but he wasn't good enough for Texas Tech to turn around for another year. Uh, spare me. Uh, Baylor, Charlie Brewer, good shape. Of course, they got the uh, they got the stud quarterback as well, whose name is skipping my mind. Oh, why is it? 20, uh, I feel bad. Four-star guy out of what, Arkansas, I believe it was. It's, it's going to come to me. It's going to come to me. Oh, Bohannon, Bohannon. There he is. Sorry, guys. I got him. I got him. It came to my mind. Uh, and then you also go down the rest of the Big 12 roster. Iowa State's in great shape at quarterback. You know, Brock Purdy. Think about that. Bowman and Purdy, two true freshmen, blew up on the scene this past year, and they're the future at the position for the Big 12. You know, they're not a transfer coming in with a couple of years left. Those guys could be here in the conference for the next three years, and that's great for the Big 12. But to think that it's some of the non-traditional Blue Bloods that are having this type of success for this conference at the quarterback position, it's in many ways a bad job that's been done at the very top. So every Big 12 team should be pitching itself, and frankly, every Big 12 team, maybe minus Kansas, should have at least a four-star guy coming in a quarterback. There's no reason they shouldn't. I mean, they're all maybe Kansas State, but they're all running very good systems that are now translating more so than ever to the next level. The idea that, oh, the Big 12 doesn't translate to the NFL. Okay, um, Look at last year's Super Bowl. Look what the Eagles did during the Super Bowl last year. Mike Gundy was tweeting about the fact that, hey, (laughs) some of this stuff is in our playbook, okay? And that's where they got it from. Look at Baker Mayfield. Oh, you know, OU, the classic Big 12 offense. That doesn't translate to the NFL. Uh, Did you see Baker play this year? Okay. Uh, Pat Mahomes, two years out of Texas Tech, is about to maybe take his team to the Super Bowl and play the Patriots in the AFC Championship game on Sunday. I, all right, the story's going to tell itself. Will Greer and Kyler Murray, two guys that could be first-round picks in the NFL draft this coming year. The stories tell themselves. And these Big 12 recruiting coordinators, you know, if there's recruiting coordinators for these 10 teams out there, and you guys are listening, I love you all. But 
reach out to me anytime. Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. I will help you with your pitch because every single one of you should have a four-star recruit at least every other year, if not every year, at the quarterback position. And it shouldn't be that difficult. Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com. Heartland College Sports Weekly, the show. Um, a lot to dive into. Kyler Murray, by the way, announcing he's entering the NFL draft. What does it mean? What do I make of it? It's all coming up next right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Well, you know who dodged a bullet in the Big 12 this past week was the Baylor Bears. I mean, we talked a little bit about Matt Rule potentially going to the New York Jets, and I wanted to touch on that for a couple more minutes, and then we'll spin it into Kyler Murray and what's gone on there. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. So uh, Matt Rule almost ended up as an NFL head coach. You know, <laughs> It's so funny because I think about a year ago, I was in Waco for the Baylor-Texas game. Texas owns the Bears in that one. Uh, my buddy Donnie Wright hooked us up with great seats. Me and my buddy Ryan, uh, great seats right at the 40-yard line, lower tier, fantastic atmosphere. Uh, love the Bears fans. Love to be back there soon for a Heartland College sports tailgate. And, you know, the bitching and moaning from Baylor fans about Matt Rule and how, oh, where's our Bryles? We miss our Bryles. It's like, guys, this guy was rumored to be interested or uh, the Colts had interest in him last offseason. Now you've got the New York Jets who, you know, the reports I saw, and since I used to work in New York, I had a little bit of uh, insight on this. The Jets were serious about Matt Rule, legit serious. And the report I read from the New York Daily News last week said that basically the Jets wanted to say in what he did at offensive coordinator. And it's a typical New York Jets move. They are too stupid to get out of their own way. Uh, I mean, why you'd hire a guy but not have confidence in him picking one of his two most important hires below him is beyond me. It makes no sense. But Rule talked to his buddy Bill Parcells, who told him, don't take a job where you can't hire the staff. So Rule said, sorry, I'm out. And while no job may have been officially offered, Matt Rule may very well have been the next head coach of the New York Jets had the Jets not continued to be one of the most incompetent franchises in the NFL. Had that happened, that would have been just uh, – it would have killed this Baylor program in the momentum that it had. Could have found a nice head coach. Maybe Seth Luttrell takes the job. But – you got something good there, Matt Rule. Now, am I concerned that this guy has flirted with NFL jobs the past two offseasons? I, I am. I think it can be used against him in recruiting. I think it should be. If I was recruiting against Matt Rule, I'd be using that against him, if I'm being honest. I, you know, I, I don't want to hinder a guy from, from reaching his, his dreams and going where he wants to go. But it's also like, you know, Dude, you came here, you sold us a lot on how you're going to buy into Waco, the community, to the Baylor program, and I'm not saying he hasn't, but when you flirted with two NFL jobs in two straight years and one was really serious, I know you're from New York in the Northeast, but it's also like, what's going on here? What's the deal? You in or you out? Um, I hope he's in, but here's the thing. I don't think Matt Rule's here for, for, you know, five years total, let's say. 1920. If Matt Rule's coaching the Bears in 2021, I'll be shocked. 
I hope he is, but I'll be surprised if he is. But if, by 2021, Rule should have this program in a much better place than it even is today. And now maybe they're only winning, you know, eight, nine instead of seven games, but I'm saying from a depth perspective, from a cultural perspective, from what the future of the program is going to be perspective, they're not quite there yet. They're getting there, but, you know, they're still replenishing the well in many ways from the disaster that was, the transfers, people leaving, getting kicked out, and they're still rebuilding the culture. If rule, if I could guarantee two more solid years from that rule, if I'm a Baylor fan, I'd do it tomorrow in a heartbeat. And I think you could live with it, and then you could get a coach that, first off, wants the job. It's a more appealing job, and it would just be a better place for the program. Trying to hire a guy in the middle of January, I, that, that is difficult for anybody, never mind Baylor. Um, so Kyler Murray, did you see this? He declared for the 2019 NFL Draft. And, you know, I wasn't surprised. The, the word was the last several days that Murray basically met with the A's and said, how much are you going to pay me to not consider football? And, you know, his agent Scott Boris, and if you're a baseball fan like I am, you probably have your opinion on Scott Boris, uh, you know, Guy gets his players' money, gets his guys' money. Does he do it in the most um, kosher fashion? Can we put it that way? Eh, not so much. But this was a weird test. It was a test to basically see, all right, Kyler, how much money do you need to not do what you love? Clearly, Kyler Murray loves football more than baseball. You can't debate it. The guy's played one full year of football since high school, which was, what, five years ago now? And he's like, yeah, I, I know I have $5 million in the bank to play baseball. It's not good enough. It doesn't do it for me. I want to play football. And you sit there and you're like, okay, I get it. You know, is he a first-round draft pick in the NFL? According to Todd McShay and, and Mel Kuyper, he is. You know, when he actually measures in at like 5'8 and 3 quarters instead of the 5'10 he's listed at, is, is that going to change in the eyes of NFL GMs? It might. I'm not saying he can't be Russell Wilson at 5'10", but, you know, everything I hear is that the guy's not a legit 5'10 anyway. So, uh, you know, when you get down to 5'8", 5'9", do they feel differently? They might. I don't think he is Russell Wilson. I don't think he is Baker Mayfield. Doesn't say doesn't mean he doesn't have great wheels and he couldn't be a nice player. I just don't think he's those guys. You know, I, I think this is a step below. This is what I said about uh, Kyler Murray after the loss to Alabama. Great athlete in a great system, but a good football player. Baker Mayfield was a great football player in a great system, but a good athlete. And I think that will ring true if he does th go through the, with the NFL draft process. But how this is going to work is that he can still negotiate with the A's. You know, if the A's say, hey, here's $10 million uh, signing bonus, please don't play baseball or please don't play football, please don't enter the NFL draft, that might be good enough for him. This all might be a negotiating ploy. He still has time. He had until Monday night to enter the NFL draft, but he still had a little bit of time a couple of days after to remove himself. Not saying he's going to do that or will do that, but he still could do that. And then what happens from there? You know, he might just throw the process out the window. Just because he enters the NFL draft, yes, he could get drafted, but if he, if he participates in nothing, then it might not mean anything. But if I'm the A's, I'm also sitting here and I'm saying, you know, am I getting fleeced? Now, if you think that this guy is the next great center fielder, if you think he's a young Jacoby Ellsbury, which I don't know if he is, 
but I'm just kind of thinking about a guy similar size, great footwork, great speed, a little bit of power, hit it in the gap. I just thought of Jacoby Ellsbury. If if he if you're convinced he's the next Jacoby Ellsbury, then maybe you do it. But where do you draw the line and say, you know, I I, I respect this guy. He's a great two sport star. He has a ton of skill and a ton of ability and a ton of talent. But if his heart isn't in this, do we even want him? Whether it's five, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve million dollars, do we want that? I mean, if he's going to be in our organization and thinking about the NFL day in, day out, and thinking about what could have been in football after he goes 0 for 4 at double-A patchog in front of 800 people, is he going to be happy? And how does that have a snowball effect from there on down? I think it's a fair question. And if I'm the Oakland A's, if I'm Billy Bean, if I'm the organization, I'm thinking that through very you know, extensively. Because it does come to a point where, all right, you could get him the money, but if it's not going to matter in his heart that he's never going to be the baseball player that you want him to be. And that has to be part of the conversation here. It should be, and it, uh, it must be. Well, coming up, we've got some business news to get to in the Big 12. That's next. Well, coming up, I will be touching on the most important win for every Big 12 team this season. But first, let's talk about some contract news involving the Big 12 Conference. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Check us out, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. So here's the deal for the Big 12 right now. They are trying to find a buyer for their Big 12 championship game uh, for the years 2019, 2021, and 2023. That's what they need. That's what they're looking for. Uh, they're looking for 20 million bucks a pop. That's what the conference wants to get. Fox already turned them down. This is according to Sports uh, Business Daily. So Sports Business Daily reported this first. Uh, John Orrand with those guys does a really good job. Now, what's interesting is that Fox already said no thanks. Am I shocked? Maybe not necessarily because the way Fox looks at it, they got the Big Ten championship game in prime time on Saturday night. Are they going to pay 20 mil for the 11 a.m. slot like the Big 12? Uh, maybe they don't think it's worth it. So now the Big 12 is discussing this with ESPN. There is apparently, according to Sports Business Daily, there is apparently a third network that's involved or is interested in picking up this game for, uh, you know, I don't know if they're interested in $20 million, but there is a third network interested. But the Big 12 contract says that they can't negotiate with that third network until ESPN and Fox have both passed. So ESPN might come back and they might say, hey, uh, we will pay, throw out a number, $15 million. The Big 12 says, no, we're not taking 15 We want 12 or we want 20 excuse me. But if both sides dig in, then it goes to arbitration. So ESPN's kind of got the Big 12 by the short hairs here because the ESPN would have to pass for the Big 12 to then negotiate with that third, uh, third network, whoever that might be. You know, as I think about it, um, you know, would NBC be interested in that? I don't know. I mean, they don't have a game that weekend because they carry Notre Dame and, you know, Notre Dame is such a bunch of wimps they don't play in a conference championship game. I say that tongue-in-cheek, but seriously. I mean, Notre Dame, can you get in a, ch- in a championship game in a conference, please? Would it kill you? I just I can't stand the Irish playing by their own stinking rules. 
Um, who else could it be? You know, I mean, it's not ABC or Fox, obviously. Uh, CBS, I, they got the SEC. I don't know if they'd want it. Um, NBC, would you go down the route of something digital? I doubt it. I don't think the industry is there yet to put a major conference championship game on a digital network. Something like, you know, I'm just like a Twitter live like the NFL did for a couple of games or a Facebook live or, you know, I don't know if Amazon Prime or something like that. I doubt they would do it. But, you know, something to keep in mind because when we move forward here, I'm telling you, and, and when these contracts come up in five, six years, there'll be bidders in that thing that you never thought of. It's not just going to be the usual NBC, ABC, CBS, uh, Fox. There'll be some new faces in there. So, all right, let's get to the most important wins for every Big 12 team this past season. I put together a list on heartlandcollegesports.com, and you can check it out there. I'll just go alphabetical order. For the Baylor Bears, it was a 35-24 win against Texas Tech. If you think about this game, Last game of the season, a tough loss to TCU the week before. This Baylor team picked up the win over Tech. The winner of that game was bowl eligible. And for Baylor, then they go on and they beat Vanderbilt in that, uh, in that bowl game. And that has changed the whole feel of this program, to be bowl eligible after winning one game, to then beat an SEC team. I know it's not Alabama, but you beat an SEC team of your caliber. Uh, you know, it almost got Matt Rule the, the stinking Jets job. But guess what? It was a great win. That was the defining win for the Baylor team this season. Iowa State 48-42 over Oklahoma State. Cyclones were 1-3. All of a sudden, it looked like that momentum from 2017 was going to be out the window. Enter Brock Purdy. Rest is history. And, you know, Iowa State now is its quarterback for at least the next two years, maybe three. Kansas, 27-26 win over TCU for their most important win. Why? It was their only Big 12 win. And, you know, in fairness, not to make fun of Kansas too much, but it does give the guys that are on this team uh, the confidence to know that they can win a Big 12 game. I think Les Miles will give them even more confidence. The guy's got a national championship ring. But, hey, you get one win. You feel good about it. You're like, hey, uh, we can do this. K-State, 21-6 win over Texas Tech. Uh, And the reason I picked that game for the Wildcats is it turned out to be Bill Snyder's final home game in front of the Manhattan faithful. I, I wish that Snyder wasn't so stubborn. I wish... He announced with a month left, this was it for him, and then they could have given him the proper send-off in this game against the Red Raiders. Unfortunately, that didn't happen, but that's just how Bill Snyder does business. We shouldn't be shocked by it, and um, we move on. But it was the final home game for Bill Snyder, so obviously their most important win of the season in what was an otherwise forgettable season. Oklahoma, 59-56 against West Virginia. You know, put OU in the uh, Big 12 championship game, which led to the college football playoff berth. It's easy to say one of the Texas games, right? It's so cliche. But that game also against West Virginia did a couple of things. First off, it continued Kyler Murray's comeback into the Heisman race, and the Sooners made a couple of big defensive plays in that game, which helped their standing in the eye of the college football playoff committee. So... That was it was more than just a win. It was a big deal down the home stretch. Oklahoma State 38-35 win against Texas for their most important victory. 
Homecoming weekend, Barry Sanders, throwback unis, Texas rolling number six in the country. And then, boom, you know, Mike Gundy does the old, uh, uh, what did he do at the end of that game as Tom Herman was yelling at the officials and getting on the field? And, uh, you know, I like Tom Herman, but he was being kind of a bozo at the end of that game. Are you entertained? That's what it was. Are you entertained? Mike Gundy gave us one of those. Um, Are you not entertained? That's right. Legendary stuff, Mike Gundy. Go on down, TCU, 16-9 win against Baylor. You know, they needed to win two games to be bowl eligible. It started with that game. TCU was a mess injury-wise. They beat their biggest rival. They win the tournament of battle, and it ended the season with three straight wins, or it kick-started that three-game winning streak to end the season. Texas, I said, the 28-20 win against Georgia. The reason why is because even Charlie Strong beat Oklahoma. Winning against the SEC runner-ups, who a lot of people thought should be in the college football playoff, was enormous for this team and for this program. So that's why I'm giving the Georgia win as the most important for Texas this year, not the Oklahoma win. For Texas Tech, it was a 41-17 win over Oklahoma State. It was Alan Bowman's introduction to the Big 12, an outstanding performance, get the Raid Raiders some momentum in conference play. Uh, That was a great game. Now the rails, uh, you know, the whole cart fell off the rails, so to speak, but... um, that was a great – that gave you a lot of optimism if you were an Oklahoma or a Texas Tech fan. And West Virginia, 42-40 win over Texas. I'm biased. I was there. That was the best game in the Big 12 all season. Unbelievable. I wrote a better on heartlandcollegesports.com, but that was a defining game in college football this year. The chess match at the end, the hookup Greer to Jennings and regulation, unbelievable stuff. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. You guys are awesome. Thank you for checking us out. Radio, podcast, YouTube, Facebook, whatever it might be. We appreciate you. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week, same time, same place, on Heartland College Sports Weekly. 2,000 country stations. Yeah, we're one big country nation. That's right. Thanks, guys, for being a part of this week's show. Always appreciate it. And please be sure to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes and send us an email, a screenshot of that review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll get the koozie in the mail for you. Appreciate it, guys. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon.